Welcome to another edition of the Bavada at Odds podcast. I'm Seth Everett. The head odds maker at BovadaSportsbook.com is Patrick Morrow. He's back. He's tanned. He's ready from another sojourn that was supposedly a work trip. Mm-hmm. Las Vegas, that's all I'm going to say. Welcome back, Patrick. How are you, buddy? I'm, I'm doing good. I, I had apparently such a good time that my luggage didn't want to come home with me. So uh, shout out to Air Canada, who somehow, on two direct flights, lost my luggage twice. So uh, thank you, Air Canada. That's two direct flights that's missing luggage. That's hard to do. That's, that's pretty hard to do, you know, and that uh, comes on the heels of now four delayed flights in a row. So just I want to shout out again to my friends at Air Canada for their terrible terrible airline service uh, my past four flights they will not be sponsoring this podcast they will not be sponsoring this podcast that's That's this podcast has sponsors because it's a product of (laughs) of Pavada. but the you know if we had sponsors they would not be a sponsor no that's okay this is uh team westjet going forward but uh, going forward team westjet all right yeah but Um, no it's 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 good it's good to be back uh i i Hadn't been in Vegas in a decade. Um, I'd like to think that a lot has changed, and in the same way, not a lot has changed out there. Uh, the sports books and the casinos are still humming. Uh, you can still smoke indoors at a lot of them, which is kind of a weird one for this Canadian, but kind of a cool throwback as well. I was staying at the Circa uh, Hotel and Casino, and it really, more than any other place I visited in Vegas, uh, or stayed at in Vegas, I should say, it really epitomied the movie Casino and like the flashing lights everywhere and the cocktail dresses and the 21 plus crowd. Um, yeah, it, you know, I was just waiting for Joe Pesci to come around the corner and smash my thumbs or something, but it was, it was great. I, I, I you know, it'd been 10 years. I can't wait to get back. There you go. <laughs> in another 10 years. In another um, there's 10 some years. strange things going on in sports. feel like the, 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 the world is just not on its axis right now with what's gone on in sports, including, did you see this story about the blind side? You know, the movie, right? The blind side with uh, Sandra Bullock. So I'm playing catch up as we speak on my Twitter feed right now about Michael Lewis, potentially knowing that maybe Michael Orr wasn't actually adopted or is like you, you, you help me out. Cause this is blowing up on my screen and I'm trying no. to digest. So you, you string me along. Apparently, Michael Orr signs a a court document that he knows that the adoption was a lie. He <sighs> built the whole book, which would turn into the movie, was was fake. Oh well, that's that's a shame. Well, you know what they say: never let the truth get in the way of a good story, right? Oh my god, <laughs> that's a that's a bonkers one. So that's a weird one. Okay, that so, so, already that one was was strange. Uh, and then there's this James Harden deal and James Harden wanted to go to the Philadelphia 76ers because Daryl Morey was there, right? Daryl Morey leaving the Rockets was why James Harden wanted to leave the Rockets in the first place. Mm-hmm. So Daryl Morey is with the And now James Harden, he doesn't like Daryl Morey anymore. And he wants out. And he only wants to go to the Clippers and the Sixers are basically saying too bad. And you have another disgruntled athlete and I'm sorry, but this is a guy who is going to sit there. Is he going to just say no to money? It's the same old story. And how many times 
how many times is this guy going to be doing this? And it just, I, I know that not all basketball players are like this, but the Sixers, man, <laughs> they traded Ben Simmons for this. Wow. Hey, you, you got to trust the process. That's what I'm told by Sixers fans all the time, right? It's, I don't know. It's, you know the guy I, who said that, by the way, is now the owner of the Washington Commanders. In a roundabout kind of way, yeah. Um, well, it, and no, he's the think, owner of the New Jersey Devils. Was well, trust the process. I think a lot of people are getting some uh, some bandwidth with that phrase because I thought it was the former 76ers uh, GM. Uh, trust the process before uh, Maury or anybody else. See, and if you put trust the process right there in Google, Sam McKee, the architect of the process. Whenever trust the process is evoked, one could think of former 76ers GM and president Sam Hinkey. So that's who I thought you were thinking of when you said, you know who, what that guy's doing now? And I was thinking, holy crap, Sam Hinkey is the owner of the commanders. Way to fall upwards. And you're not going to get anything close to equal value. So what happens is who suffers? The Clippers aren't going to suffer because they're going to wind up with, well, maybe they will because they'll have him. But... <laughs> But he's still supposedly good, and the Clippers are just going to basically say, "Here, you'll take what we want." And Daryl Morey is just hoping that eventually he can convince J- James Harden to be nice and 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 come back. I, I what a mess brings to the forefront what a lot of people have noted of late is that because of the salary cap in the NBA being a hard one as it is, it's guaranteed contracts, which is pretty good. Is there's arguments to be made that uh, the LeBrons of the world are chronically underpaid relative to what they'd get on open market. And as a result, uh, your Hardens, your Bradley Beals, and guys who you might see them at All-Star Weekend, but are they the number one option on a championship team? Those are the guys that are getting locked into massive max contracts that uh, bog down a lot of these teams. And unfortunately, you have to end up paying them because they'll go somewhere else. But I, you know, I, I don't feel bad for Harden in this scenario because it's also this time of year where you see NFL holdouts and NFL holdouts are generally holding up for more money because their contracts aren't guaranteed at all. Like Harden. OK, like he can go this route. He can bitch and moan and complain and say he wants to be elsewhere. But wherever he ends up this year, he can't get cut and he can't have that money taken away from him. So I, and I don't feel bad like he doesn't have. He doesn't have the reputation of being a great teammate, not necessarily a shit disturber by any means, but he's also just, he's never won and done it. He's just not a fun player to play because he's a player that while incredibly valuable at drawing fouls, it's just not an attractive game to watch. Uh, so I, 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 I don't care. I, I don't care what happens to him. I hope for the 76ers sake, they resolve it. And maybe for the Clippers sake, hopefully for their sake, they don't end up getting him. but I don't know. It's I don't know. I'm I'm tired of the guys who aren't the best of the best of their field complaining about their lot in life when they've been able yeah, to walk yeah, into, well you know, max contract after max contract after max contract, each one of their own choosing, each one fully guaranteed. Yep. Uh well said. Uh let's okay, let's switch gears now. It's soccer season, baby. Yeah. Well, the uh, Premier League opened up. Uh, by the way, you got to teach uh, somebody in the uh, Premier League what uh, the people in North America know. Uh, and that is how to do digital tickets. They hate doing digital tickets uh, in the Premier League game. I haven't been to more than a few. Uh, Liverpool d- uh, does them now where you can transfer them. It can be on your phone, like with a mobile ticket. But that yeah. is, that's that's rare, I think, now in the Premier they League. Delayed it's paper the kickoff. They delayed the kickoff uh, by a half hour because 30,000 people were stuck outside. They didn't know how to get the, the ticket on their phone. 
Yeah. So when I went to uh, the FA Cup semifinal uh, two years ago, that was Liverpool back when Liverpool was good. Uh, Liverpool against uh, City in the FA Cup semifinal. And I bought that in the secondary market. And I was sweating that the entire time because there was no digital ticket for there was no e email transfer of ticket. That was just the day before the game. I'm flying in from Canada and I have to give my hotel room where a guy is going to use the post to uh, send my ticket to that uh, hotel. So it was only the day before the FA Cup semifinal that I knew for sure that I had a physical ticket to that game at Wembley. So uh, it, it's chaotic. I think part of the reason is to try and crack down or get in front of the resale market out there and stop folks like me from purchasing tickets that otherwise uh, they'd rather have uh, regular Brits uh, be able to purchase. But yeah, I, I know for Liverpool, though, they're one of the few. They're one of the few teams with digital tickets, which has made it much easier whenever I wanted to go to one of those games. Well, uh, so now the new deal, uh, they required um, the teams, uh, you know, so now Arsenal has this situation where you have to uh, have the digital ticket. And so now as a result, they didn't have everything ready. And so like half the fans were not in the stands. Oh my God. That's that's for opening weekend too. That's really tough. And that's the thing like soccer is not like major league baseball where you have to, you know, you have to figure out what to do opening weekend. The next weekend you go like half earth or like, no, Arsenal, they're, they're going to be full every single game. How do you screw that up? That's how do you screw that up. It was crazy. They delayed the game and it was weird because on the East coast on the, you know, Northeast coast, it was a seven thirty kickoff. I was so lucky that I was flying back Saturday. So I missed all the premier league action, but the one game that wasn't taking place that day was uh, Liverpool Chelsea which yep. aesthetically I always enjoy Liverpool, Chelsea, Liverpool, Everton as well. I love seeing the bright reds and blues clash like that. And man, it just through 30 minutes, we look like world beaters again. We were up one, nothing. And then Mo Salah ever so slightly offside. He had put away what appeared to be a second at the time. And, and then after that, Chelsea just, they figured it out and they were the much better team for the second half of the game. I have no idea what to make of Liverpool for the remaining 37 matches of the season, but I just know it was great that they were back. I love that the layoff for soccer is the smallest of all the major sports oh my that you God, and I it's follow. Like 10 minutes. Yeah, it's it's a hot 10 minutes. Then they pop through Asia. They pop through the U.S. They fill up uh, the offseason coffers. They buy a few more players. And then here we go again. But it, it, it's great. I, you know, I, I love that. You know, I'm lamenting preseason football, but I'm very much so all the way back in with Premier League football. Um, you know, Liverpool got to get back in the top four this year. Arsenal needs to, you know, prove that last season was for real, maybe make a decent Champions League run this year. So a lot to be excited about, you know, especially for you guys, an easy three points right out of the gate. One just for us, but uh, still feeling okay about them. Yeah, we shall see. We shall see. But anyway, um, we talked about Mbappe. Mbappe. And the the possibilities of him going to Saudi Arabia and, just you know, just the amounts of money and, and sports washing. And we, we talked about all that. Well, Neymar. Um, the Saudi pro league, uh, Al Hilal agreed to a $98.6 million. That's us dollar, uh, deal with PSG for Neymar. So, Mm -hmm. and then they negotiated a deal, um, two year contract with the option of a third. And these, these players are, are, are going and more and more players are going. Um, it's exactly what we warned about. And if this bothers you, again, did 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 live golf was about fifteen minutes from my house. 
uh, 25 minutes from my house this past weekend. And I didn't watch it. I wasn't compelled, but I don't, I'm not a golf person. If I find out that, you know, Martin Odegaard or, or I'm, I'm trying to think of a, of a, of a guy, uh, you know, to, to, it's going to come in and, and say, you know what? Screw the premier league. I'm going to Saudi Arabia. I just, I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. I'm not going to yeah. suddenly start watching that league. Forget no, all I, the po- politics stuff. I, I'm just, I'm not going to suddenly watch that league. Yeah. I mean, it's going to take a lot more than Neymar and who knows, maybe Neymar is just going to shore up um, the amount of people attending locally. The, I don't know. It feels like Saudi money chasing Saudi money. So I'm a little confused as to how the economics of it is going to work here. Cause yeah, I, I don't see how, outside Saudi Arabia anybody cares I mean you look at the flip side of you know Messi who was also at PSG and is now at Inter Miami and I've got pals down in Costa Rica and I've seen pictures of them with their little kids wearing Inter Miami Messi jerseys I've seen you know uh, I was just came back from Vegas and I saw people there wearing Inter Miami Messi jerseys like I just I don't think anybody I, I'll be surprised to see anybody wearing a Neymar you know Saudi league jersey whether it's in Costa Rica whether it's in Vegas next time I'm there uh wherever the case I I, I don't I don't get it I'm so I, I get it from a financial point of view why Neymar's going there it looks bad for PSG because it seems like all their stars are ready to get the hell out of there but um yeah I mean it works for him he's gonna make a lot of money I don't know that this you know all he's serving to prove is maybe to tell somebody else like an Mbappe in the future, maybe like, Hey, yeah, I did get all this money down here. Yeah. It did actually go very, very well. So yeah, you're good if you want to try as well. But in terms of broad interest, yeah, I don't think anyone's going to start caring about the Saudi league outside of this, not in the way that MLS is really shot up in amazing way. So um, that's pretty cool. As far as the NFL, I know people are betting on preseason games. I, uh, I don't know what to say to those people. I, I can, uh, you, I, you see by listening to this podcast how seriously we take each and every game in the National Football League and how obsessed with the NFL we have become if 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 we weren't already um preseason football is just it's 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 a tough watch I don't, I don't, yeah I don't, I don't know what to say no it's uh and I know there's action on it so I'm not trying to belittle people who listen to the podcast and who you know bets on this stuff but why not only why but you never know who's gonna play what trevor simeon played a whole game well see and 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 that's it it's really from an odds making point of view um the nfl preseason is more of a whisper campaign for us it's trying to figure out uh i wouldn't say before the players because the sharpest players always beat us to that but as quickly as we can who's going to be playing and for how long they're going to be playing and who's going to be playing alongside them. And what are their opponents going to be doing? I mean, you know, whether it's Simeon playing for an entire game, uh, how many reps is Jordan Love going to get with that Green Bay offense? Um, It's, I I would say, I think I've said this before in the past, it's certainly a part of the year, which for the betters, uh, if they're really paying attention and do their homework, they can probably find a little bit more value in these bets than they can once we're in the thick of it in the NFL season. Because we know what teams are trying to do that. We know what teams are trying to do in week two, week three, week four with the starters they have on the field. They're not playing. It's like that famous quote you gave uh, MLB preseason one year, spring training. They asked the guy at the end of the game, like, oh, you know, who won? Or, you know, right. what do you think they, about they that game? Know. They didn't even know who won. 
Because that's not what his job was that day. It wasn't about the team win. It was to maximize his defensive reps or his plate appearances. And that's exactly what's happening in these NFL preseason games. So the players that are able to figure that out and say, oh, you know what? It's going to be 40% Jordan Love. It's going to be 35% this guy. And then 40% this, you know, backup from the CFL. If they can do that and properly project that, they can find an edge. So I get why some people bet it. But for the masses who are just looking to get money down, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's, you know, wait, you know, re, re, you know, European football is happening right now. We all know what all those teams are trying to do. I, If you're a recreational player, I'd say spend your money there. You'll get a lot more entertainment for your buck. If you're super, super sharp and know what you're doing, maybe dabble in the preseason, maybe dabble in the preseason live. But I just, from a broad entertainment point of view, there, there's not much else there. Like I bet it, but I I have an edge. Uh, I bet it and I don't watch it. So that's the real takeaway. I it just, like I said, there are, there are teams now that meet three and four days before they're playing each other. The Patriots and Packers this week, just as an example. Mm-hmm. Patriots and Packers this week, are meeting, they're practicing together. They still will not tell each other what they're going to do. So you won't know who's playing Saturday night when they play each other. They're practicing together and they're still not going to share this with each other. The point is that they're, they're all keeping everything under vest. They keep everything a secret. That's how they exist. Well, somebody has access to that secret because we do see without uh, without interruption every single week of the NFL preseason, usually on Mondays, actually, uh, there will be syndicate groups that will release plays that move the entire NFL market, usually around two or three games. I can speak to some of the ones that have uh, already moved uh, as of this afternoon. Uh, Indianapolis moved from two and a half to three and a half so over a key number three. Kansas City moved up from six and a half to eight. And that was just one group of people releasing their NFL preseason stuff. So they know a little bit more about those games than everybody else does. Because it's not just us at Bavada. They move that number at every single sports book when they release on a Monday afternoon. So there's a, you know, I don't know if that's, they know someone in the front office who just knows a little bit more about who's going to be playing X amount of reps. And it could be something as simple as that. But there's a very, very small group of people that do know this just because of how consistently they're able to move those numbers. But for the rest of you, give it up. That's amazing. And then in college football, all I can say is uh, the rumors and 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 the rumors. And at press time, like this podcast might be outdated by the time uh, we say this, um, the the question marks around, you call it the pack four, <laughs> you know, what the, 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 the four remaining schools who, by the way, my heart goes out to those four schools, especially the schools that have other very rich in history, other sport programs like Stanford, like Cal, and to a lesser extent, Oregon State and, and Washington State. Mm-hmm. And to see what's going on with them and, you know, there, there's talk about this hybrid of a bunch of teams trying to now join the Pac-12 and like kind of recreate that that tournament or that conference rather that hodgepodge here's where college football is shaking out i did a ton of research on this there's going to be these two a conferences right and this is where it's going to get really muddy in the next five years you have 
these two A conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten. And why I'm calling them A, it's just the media money. The money that the schools will be getting from media networks, the ESPNs, the Foxes, whatever. The B level, there are two B levels, the ACC and the Big 12, except there are four schools in the ACC that have lawyers, not student lawyers either. They have actual lawyers that are trying to get out of the ACC. They're trying to ruin that conference. Meanwhile, Notre Dame's saying, this is why you never get us all the way in. This is, you know, we'll we'll give you a toe, but we're not going all the way in. I don't know. I'm still disappointed that the University of Toronto didn't get scooped up by the Big Ten. I mean, geographically, we could have made it. We don't have much of a football team, but come on, if you're taking that many, you know, give us a shot. I mean, what a mess. And then if the ACC falls apart, then what happens? Then... The, the, the remaining SEC falls down to the C level, which is where like the remaining Pac-12 teams are and the, the AAC and the Mountain West and all these other little conferences. And the, and how do you win a national championship that way? You know how hard it's going to be to win a national championship if you're in the Big 12 or the ACC now? Yeah, you got to go undefeated and you need uh, multiple losses in those other and, conferences. And on top of that, on top of that, you know, this year, this college football year, that's the last year of the 14 college football playoff. Then it goes mm-hmm. to 12. And it's still going to be hard. Mm-hmm. What a mess. But when they have week one, nobody's going to care. No, not even this, uh, you know, funky kind of week zero uh, ahead of time where there's like only eight or nine games that first Saturday. I mean, yeah, I, I get it. Once the games start going, I'm going to be completely locked into that. And you know, I think uh, I think I'll try and take a, a special appreciation this season more of a more as a fan than as uh, as a sports better just because of how much is going to be changing between uh, this season and next. But yeah, it, it's going to be something else. So uh, you know, we we talked about it last week. Uh, what are the future of a lot of these rivalry games that are no longer going to be rivalry games? So uh, will they figure them out? Will they reassess and come up with future dates for them? But it does seem to be a shame that for a lot of the games that we you know truly began, began to cherish in the college football season, uh, they're not necessarily for sure going to be played in the coming seasons. It's it's amazing what's going on. All right. That'll do it for the Bavada at Odds podcast. We'll be back another week, another time. Uh, we'll see what travels uh, Patrick's going to have next week as uh, we go through and live vicariously through him. Uh, nonetheless, uh, his luggage will be here, and he'll be here. I'll be here. We'll all be here. Unless... Saudi Arabia offers us a whole bunch of money, and then we're out of here. You stole my line, Seth. That's where I'm going. I'm going to get some of that El Halal money for uh, the odds cast uh, going forward. So that's where I'm heading. I'm just hoping my luggage follows me there and back. Mm